Coach Taku. Making anime your new life coach. Hello, welcome to Coach Taku. Um, today we're going to be talking about relationships and coaching, which is really cool because we're going to be looking at this. I would say it's an older one, but not too old. It's Odin Host Club. It's a beautiful slice of life romance anime that's a lot of fun to watch. Has a lot of characters in it that are just super vibrant and fun and full of life. So excited to talk about that and excited to talk to you about what relationship coaching looks like in this anime. So Christina, to start us off, like what's relationship coaching? Why is that important? Yeah, thanks Mary. So, you know, even though we did pick a slice of life romantic-esque anime, I want to be super clear, like you could coach on any type of relationship. You could coach around friendships. You can coach around romance. You can even coach around like business relationships or employee relationships. And I think at the core of a lot of relationship coaching, there's like two facets. It's like the facet of understanding what you can be responsible for, aka the patterns that you've developed that you actually unknowingly bring into every relationship that you have. And then also starting to take a look at and reflecting on like, what are the patterns that the other person is bringing into relationship? And so part of why I'm super excited for this episode is I think we're going to finally talk about this coaching concept that we call context, which I liken it to how fish have no idea that they're in a bowl. Like they, they just live their lives as fish in a bowl. And so for them, like the water is the water. If the water is clean, it's their water. If the water is dirty, it's their water. And it actually requires you, the caretaker outside of the tank, to realize, holy shit, there's so much algae, I better clean this thing. So I share that because what's really amazing about Oron High School Host Club to talk about relationship patterns is very quickly you see how the main character disrupts the water, so to speak, of this high school club. But I don't want to get too ahead of myself. Before we dive in, Mary, you already started to talk about the series, but is there anything else you want to share with our listeners about Oron and its origins or or anything like that? Yeah, thanks, Christina. So let's talk briefly about what this anime is about. So I'll give you a brief synopsis. Um, This is a story about a high school. It's a really elite, very prestigious private high school. It's over the top in who it takes in. And in comes a scholarship student, Haruhi, who... uh, well, because of one reason or other that we're going to probably get into, she ends up being part of a host club. And the host club basically caters to the beautiful girls or ladies in, in this school and then tries to just bring romance and love into their lives in some way, shape or another. And it's all about building relationships. But as Christina mentioned, it is focused on romance for the most part of it. <laughs> so it's pretty cool. There are beautiful boys in this in this group, in this host club, and they all have their different personalities, their different strengths. And in comes Haruhi to disrupt these stories, these contacts that Christina was talking about. Christina, anything else 
you think? Yeah, I think the, the two things I would add is, first of all, if you haven't read the manga, please do, because it goes way further than the anime. But in terms of spoilers, I'm pretty sure the dynamics that we're covering are in the anime. So if you haven't watched any of it, spoiler alert, but if you've only watched the anime, you're probably in the clear. And the last thing I'd mention is I really want to underscore what Mary said, which is this is the most elaborate, luxurious, decadent place in the world. And Haruhi is actually a scholarship student. So she doesn't come from decadence. She comes from poverty. And the reason she even gets thrown into being a part of the host club is because A, she breaks a vase that's worth like a million dollars and she has no way to pay it off. And B, because of her outer appearance, the president of the club mistakes her for a boy and so decides to actually dress her up as a boy and put her into the club. So that's, that's like a key part of the, of the story and the plot. And I think it's also a, a key point in what we're going to be pointing to, which is disrupting how things usually go or splashing around in the water, so to speak. Yeah, totally. So let's get started with it. So, okay. So this club, it has, how many boys are there, Christine? I don't remember. There's Mori Senpai, Tamaki, uh, Honey Senpai, uh, Toya, and is that it? No, and the, the twins. twins. And the twins. So there's six of them. I think six of them, which is great. Each one is totally different, but I think one of the biggest stories where you can see start seeing this context shift is with the twins. And I'm going to let Christina talk a little bit about the twins since they're her favorite character. <laughs> so I'll let her take the lead on this and then I'll, I'll jump in as needed. Okay, calling them my favorite character almost does them a disservice. But I love the, the Freudian slip because saying character in the singular perfectly describes the Hitachian twins. So you have two twin boys, their names are Hikaru and Karu, and they're virtually identical except for the way that they part their hair. And the reason I think it's perfect that Mary called them a singular character is that's their trope. Like the reason, so all of the boys that are in this club fulfill a certain romantic fantasy or desire. And the desire that the twins fulfill is like that forbidden love. Like the only person they care about is one another. And that's both a truth about them, but it's also the, the act that they get to play up. So what I mean by that is the, the pattern in relationship they already had before they joined the host club was to believe that no one could ever tell the difference between them, that there was no point in letting anyone else in, and that the only people they should care about are themselves. And the way that the club becomes like the fishbowl that allows for that pattern to play out over and over and over again is that's why the girls pay them because they want the like, oh my God, it's so amazing that Hikaru only cares about Karu. And oh, Karu is such a wonderful caretaker of Hikaru. My heart can't take that they'll never love me the way they love each other. I love that so much. And and they actually kind of almost... um. They actually also promote the story for themselves because one of the things they do in the club is that they have this game that they play with the ladies in the club. And it's basically, uh, can you guess who I am? You know, can you guess if I'm Hikaru or Kaoru? And nobody can, of course, because they're identical <laughs> and they act, they try to fool you in the process. So it's almost like they figure we're never going to, we're, it's just going to be you and me. No one's going to ever be able to tell that we're individual people. And it's really heartbreaking and sad when you look at the origin story that they have and that they're told since they were little, well, 
no one's going to be able to tell you one from the other and that's it. And you're just going to have to deal with it. Yeah. And so basically what we've done now in coach speak is we've outlined the pros to this relationship pattern. They are amazing companions for each other. They love each other. They're devoted. They get to let out their mischievous side. And we've also laid out the consequences of their pattern, which is they stay alone and no one ever gets them. And so the the good news, so to speak, I put in air quotes as I record an audio only format. Um, <laughs> the, the good news is we mentioned that Haruki's the person that shows up and disrupts the water. And so the way that she specifically begins to shake the water for the twins is that she shows up able to know exactly who is who. And at first, Hikaru and Karu are flabbergasted by this, and they're also almost like insulted or looking for the trick. And so they'll purposefully come up with ways to continue to try to trick Haruhi, but she's the first person that insists like, hey, I love your act and it's super cute, but there's actually things that are really different about the two of you. And her reflecting that they are unique or different from one another blows their mind. It, it so far removed from how they've existed in this container for so long, like for how, to have this person come along that's like, no, yeah, I know you're Hikaru. I know you're Karu. I know what makes you different. And I really like you both for those differences, not because you're a package set. Yeah. And it's, so I think it's important to know too, that the twins actually don't want to be considered as one. You know, ever since they were little, they were heartbroken when people couldn't guess which one was which and which and when the person that they trusted, which was a maid in their household, just basically told them no one's ever going to know who each of you are. So to be to be clear, like this isn't what they want. They actually want someone to break this pattern. They just don't think anyone can. So when how actually breaks it, it's so out of their so out of their mindset, so out of this context that they don't know how to react to it, which is pretty cool, right? From a coaching perspective, it's amazing because that's actually when you can start working with people on something different and creating something totally different and outside the fishbowl, so to speak. And from an otaku perspective, it allows for the most important ship in the entire show. And I will never get over that Hikaru and Haruhi should be together. And that's the end of my spiel. Yeah. So now that I've gotten out my Hikaru x Haruhi uh, ship, and put my stake in the ground and, you know, it's, it, I let it sail and I sunk with it as I <laughs> needed to sink, you know, why don't we, why don't we actually cast our gaze upon Tamaki, who is the president of the club and quite a character in himself. Mary, do you want to shed a little light on Tamaki and his context entering the club? So Tamaki, imagine over the top, charming, just really outgoing personality. I mean, surrounded by ladies, surrounded by people, just, um, yeah, just imagine over the top and that's what you get in Tamaki, like very princely. The idea of this prince who is beloved by everyone and surrounded by so many people who admire and care for him. And I think the truth about Tamaki is that he's really scared of being alone. So he creates a facade this facade, this charming facade to keep people around him, but not really let people in, which is part of his thing, because he believes, his context says that if he lets people in, they will abandon him. So instead, he creates a charming facade that everyone will love and never leave. Yeah, and you, you see this pattern play out in, in the princely role, because the 
the trap or the pitfall of being the princely type is that every woman that he serves in the host club, every student that he serves, it's always about what they want. Like Tamaki never shares his needs. He always deflects and he goes, no, it's about you. No, it's this. No, it's that. Like you'll even see his students will be like, Tamaki, what's your favorite tea? He'll be like, oh, well, of course it's a tea that you've poured for me yourself. Like he doesn't actually answer questions about his needs or desires. And it's amazing because to your point, Mary, about him fearing being alone, there's a a really fascinating thing that happens, not too dissimilar from when the twins are like, what do you mean you can tell us apart? That when Haruhi shows up and treats him like a person and a human person rather than a prince, that Tamaki can't be with either. Do you want to go into that? Because I know uh, you really fangirled out about it when we were preparing for the episode. (laughs) So I personally love Tamaki and Haruki together. I think they're the perfect match, but you know, enough of that. <laughs> um, so I think Tamaki is, so I think the facade that Tamaki keeps up is the thing that basically keeps him from getting too close to people. And Haruki is someone who, remember, she doesn't have a luxurious, she doesn't come from, from a, a rich or privileged background. She's impoverished. She's her family dynamics are totally different. And here she comes in and she relates to Tamaki as a person because that's how she sees him. That's how she relates to most people. And he can't handle or be with that. So instead, instead of actually saying, you know, I like you and I think you're cool, he actually pretends to be her father throughout the whole series, which is really strange and weird. But when you think about it, it makes sense, right? Because if you're someone's father, you're not going to leave them and they're not going to leave you. There's this almost kind of relationship where he creates where it's like, well, this is the only way I can be with you. It's in this relationship where I'm going to say I'm your father and we're now together forever. Yeah. The other thing about it is, you know, I mentioned as the prince, he always fulfills the role as like the savior or the caretaker or worrying about someone else's needs. And then once again, when the prince act doesn't work on Haruhi, he plays the role of being Papa because, again, that's that's the caretaker role. Like, it's still not about his needs in their relationship. It's very much about, well, what can I do for you? And what I love about the series is every time Tamaki makes this sweeping grand gesture that would, you know, swipe any other girl off their feet and be like, oh, Tamaki, you're amazing. Haruhi's like, this is ridiculous. Like, she just shuts it down immediately. And you see the 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 hamster wheel in Tamaki's head kind of spinning anxiously and rapidly of like, what do you mean you don't want this stuff? It, it's hard for him to realize that she can want a relationship with him, be it platonic or romantic. I, I think it should have stayed platonic. Um, but that she would want a relationship with him for him simply being himself. Yeah. It, and she calls him out on it. She's like, I have a father. Thank you very much. And you see that even when uh, Haruki's father and Tamaki meet, there's this like rivalship between them, which is kind of ridiculous because they are very similar in some ways. So yeah, I think Haruki stepping into Tamaki's life really makes him question how he relates to other people and the things that he's keeping from himself. So it's, I think it's pretty cool. And then if we start looking at some of the other characters, like, I mean, I think the next one that comes to mind for me, Christina, is Kyoya-senpai, because he's also in his very own really small insular world. He relates to people in some ways as numbers or as business partners or as business ventures. 
and it comes this this woman who just kind of disrupts all of that for him. Yeah, absolutely. And um, I'm so sorry in advance for any listeners who their favorite types were Kyoya or were Mori or were Honey. If if you want to hear about them, I'd be more than thrilled to do a part two of this episode. But I feel like we would be remiss if we painted Haruhi as this grand messiah that breaks relationship patterns and is beyond them. Because the same way that she has this impact on the twins and Tamaki, they have an impact back on her. And I would actually love to make sure that we find time to talk about the roles that they play and the way that they in turn help Haruhi break up her relationship pattern. So to get us started, Mary, what is Haruhi's relationship pattern? She seems so cool. She can't possibly have one, right? Oh, ha, ha. (laughs) Well, the beautiful thing about contacts is that we all have them. You know, spoiler alert, we all have contacts. Um, And Haruhi, I think what I see in Haruhi is that she relates to her life as kind of a pattern. There are things they must do. There's a schedule, there's a goal, and there's nothing outside of this. So for Haruhi, it's very, everything is very clear and cut at the beginning um, in that she's only focused on getting to graduation to become a lawyer. That's all that she wants to do. That's why she's going to school. And anything else is just kind of extra. So that's the context that we see her come from and act from throughout the whole series. And I think where the boys come and play a part is in breaking that up for her and showing her something different. Yeah, absolutely. I think the one thing that I would just add to the pattern that you were distinguishing, Mary, is because it's cut and dry, there's just things in life that need to be done. The way that Haruhi does it is through this context of she has no needs or she goes and meets her needs by herself and she doesn't put the burden on anyone else. And you see that that's bound to happen in some ways because, you know, her, her mother is not in her life. Her mother passed away and her father is a drag queen. You know, he kind of lives this life in the in-between of genders and just like, you know, goes about doing his day. And so she's needed to take care of herself her whole life. And so one thing that I love about the series is here is this person who who has this whole like, I take care of myself my way and no one needs to take care of me. Entering the most decadent place on earth where the host club's entire mission is to serve and meet the needs of others. And so, you know, as I mentioned, I love the twins. I especially loved Hikaru. And one way that Hikaru immediately disrupts this for Haruhi is you see it in the most important episode of the series, which is the date episode. And um, guys, if you could see this right now, Mary just gave me the biggest eye roll ever and it was so juicy, but I'm still gonna, I got it. I told you the, the flag is in the ground and I'm gonna tell you why it's the most important. The reason it matters so much, and spoiler alert if you haven't seen it, is Hikaru being in his own, like, no one notices me and no one's in my world, doesn't pick up on the signs that Haruhi is scared that it's going to start thunderstorming. And sure enough, Haruhi, who is terrified of thunder, doesn't tell Hikaru. She she sideswipes it. She just goes, oh, did you hear something? Oh, what's the weather report? She isn't direct about her feelings. And because she isn't direct about it, you see that when she runs off, she's left alone to care for herself in a really, like, sad, crying, weeping, hiding in the corner way. 
And it's actually Hikaru who, when he finds her, prompted by Tamaki, I know you're going to correct me, Mary. But when Hikaru finds her, he actually says, it's okay to be selfish sometimes. Like, lean on me. Let me know what you need. And that's something that Haruhi has clearly never allowed herself to have before. Yeah. And there's another episode where, in which we discover that Haruhi is the scared of thunder, that uh, she she gets attacked by two boys and Tamaki gets really upset because he calls her, he calls her out on it. He's like, you're a girl. And she doesn't understand what that means. And she doesn't understand the impact that she has on other people. You know, that other people actually care about her, that actually other people actually worry about her. And it's that episode that actually makes it click that it's more than just her, that she actually does have an impact on the people around her, which is pretty cool. But there's one more episode that I loved and that I think illustrates this really well. And it's the dream one. I don't know if you remember that one, Christina, but it's like, how do he has a dream? And it's almost like being Alice in Wonderland. It's kind of like a parody on that. And throughout it, you know, she's in this school and it's kind of like her enrollment in the school. And then she gets to a point where she's um, at the tea table and uh, Tamaki's playing the Mad Hatter and Mori Senpai and Honey Senpai are there. And they're like, she's like, well, I have to pass my exams or something like that. And they're like, what about play? And she's like, play. And she's very confused by it. But at the end of that episode, her mother actually comes out as the queen and says, I'm so proud. I'm so happy that you're having fun. And it just like clicks for her that life can be more than just about this one goal that she set out for herself and that there is, you know, value and richness in relationships. Ooh. That is so, that right there, there is value and richness in relationships. A show about rich people starting at like the most uh, basic, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, shallow level and actually the, like the deepness of it. And the richness doesn't come from the material wealth. It actually comes from the depth of relationship. And I love that you said it, Mary, because I feel like in a nutshell, you described what's so amazing about Haruhi's relationship pattern bumping up against the members of the host clubs. Because most of the host clubs all have a version of here's why I'm ostracized and why people don't love me. And so this is the strategy I've created to use my decadence to ignore that. Whereas Haruhi's is I don't have anything. So here's why I'm just going to use myself to take care of myself and not worry about anyone else. And the, the, the positive consequences you see of that is that Haruhi helps all the boys in their own ways see the value in them just getting to be themselves and that being what's so rich about them. And in return, they gift Haruhi with the experience of allowing herself to luxuriate in playing and being a kid. Yeah, it really is a fun, fun anime. If you haven't watched it, highly recommend it just because it's so lighthearted and kind of ridiculous and over the top, but still has so much to it. Um, in just terms of, and I think it was an excellent one for our relationship episode. Also, just to mention that relationships are so vast that this is one of many that are going to come your way in terms of what relationship coaching looks like. So really excited that this is our first one and that there will be many more <laughs> to come. Yeah, absolutely. And the only thing I'm really excited for is by the time this episode comes out in, I believe, October, what you'll notice is we're trying out a new format. We know we give ourselves 30 minutes to chat. So we're going to be trying a couple episodes where we purposefully only pick a single show to talk about for that episode so that we can really get into like the 
juiciness, the deepness, and, and play out all the different conversations that we want to have. And so I would love to hear from you, the listeners, if you love that format, if you want us to do deep dives, you know, send us a comment, shoot us an email, coachtakupod at gmail.com. Let us know you love that. Or if you miss the old format of talking about two or three shows at once, let us know that too. We really want this to be as fun for you as it is for us. And with that, uh, as always, please subscribe and reach us, reach out with us with comments, questions. We'd love to hear from you and enjoy that you're here. Thanks. Thanks everyone for listening. Bye-bye. Thank you for watching Coach Taku. If you liked this episode, please share it and consider subscribing so you never miss a new episode. Have an idea for an episode or show you'd love us to discuss? DM us on our Insta, Coach Taku Pod, C-O-H-C-H-T-A-C-U-P-O-D, or email us at coachtakupod at gmail.com. Love your wonderful host? In that case, you can follow me, Christina, at herextinaroar on Instagram, and you can follow Mary at raven5130 on Instagram. Thanks so much. Catch you in the next one.